0: Welcome back to Wake Up Winden, a podcast where I go through a lot of these prestige shows from Europe uh, that have been on Netflix or HBO, what have you. Uh, used to cover Dark, and now we're covering The Beforeiners. So, welcome in. I'm your host Brian Hickey. Really good episode. Really fun world building stuff. I'm gonna break it all down for you. Uh, so, please uh, thank you for subscribing. It was good to see that I still had some subscribers from the first episode, so wanted to kind of stay with it, go through all the episodes of The Beforeners. so glad you can join me, and we're going to be talking about episode two today. So, um, episode two, really fun episode, we have six or seven plot lines going on, I'm going to go through some of the main ones, and I'm going to try it a little differently today, I've got some pre-planned thoughts, and I have some of the plots I wanted to talk about, and MVP to discuss. And some of the cool world building that's going on and some themes that I'm noticing. We have the A-plot in this episode. Uh, we have Lars and Elf. I'm going to call her Ylgar Elf because I just feel like I'm doing such a bad job with that name. So we'll go with Lars and Elf. They're searching in on Cro-Magnon, which is the security company that Elfielger ends up discovering. And there's a lot going on with this. They're kind of putting together the clues... ...from the prostitution or the human trafficking ring that's going on. And Cro-Magnon is kind of the forefront for it. Maybe the cover. um, At least they have people that are working there... ...that work with our new character, Navin, who we'll get into. And uh, these guys are bad dudes there. It's some sort of time, like a cross-temporal human trafficking scheme... ...where we end up seeing at the end of the episode... ...when Lars and Alf crack the code, crack the case we do see that they have all sorts of women who have been transported from different periods of time, um, including the Stone Age and, the, uh, of course, the late 1800s and, of course, the Norse Age, and we see examples of all three of those. So that's kind of the main plot, you know, kind of the thing that's driving the show is Lars and Alf, their relationship. So we uh, follow them throughout, but they split off into different side stories as well. And I think the biggest one is something that's cool that kind of goes across thousands of years uh, is the Al Fielger plot with her sh- fellow shield maiden. I didn't catch the name of the episode, but after doing some research, found out her name is Urd, U-R-D. So I'm going to go with Urd, uh, or I'll, I'll keep referring to her as the shield maiden just in case. It's kind of hard to remember some of these names, so I'll try to prompt with just some descriptors, but... Really funny, funny plot line. Um, gets called from the museum, and the police have somebody in custody that claims to know her. And when she goes down there, it's because Erd, her friend, has defaced uh, a false painting of uh, the king of uh, Tor. Of not of not the king, but of Torhund, who we'll talk about la- a little bit later on. Um, and both of them knew, and both of them ended up loving. So. Alfilger, um, the her friend is kind of referenced in the very beginning of the episode, uh, kind of that really vast, cool shot you get at the beginning of the episode. I think Finns Markadia, something like that, where it's uh, basically a big ice sheet, and you see it's Alfielger, and she's going to some sort of prophet, some sort of shaman, and she tells her that Torhund, because she's seeking Torhund, and she says that he's not here, he's in the future. She has to do, like, this blood sacrifice, you know, she's showing her bravery, and the prophet tells her, you know what, you aren't the first one, you aren't the first one to visit here, seeking Torhund. There's another, one with the flamed hair, and you see later on in the episode, her friend, the shield maiden, also has red hair, so, um, putting two and two together, I think that would be the same person, and, um... So we get into their relationship. Uh, <laughs> it's really cool how Elfieger kind of bails her out, uh, and kind of expands the world even more because she says that the, um, her friend is going to countersue the museum for having this uh, ha- having images that trigger her because you know she's from the Norse age and presumably she like went through battles with her. So while the museum wants to press charges, she's like, okay, well if you do that, she's going to countersue you. And are, is it really going to be worth it? So she ends up getting her out of that. A little bit, maybe too easily. But, you know, that's uh, <laughs> you know part of being a cop, I guess. And uh, she ends up get, getting to party with her later on that night. Even though she's still at work, she's still kind of on the case. She agrees to go out for a drink with her friend, Erd. And so they end up going to this really cool Norse bar. There's an awesome DJ. Um, and I like the, the thought that maybe some, uh, you know, that you could get a job that would be completely out of what would have been available to you back in your time. I know we see the journalist in the last episode and it's believable that they could have been journalists in the 1800s, but you know, there damn sure wasn't any DJs a thousand years ago. So I, I hope that it's somebody authentic that they hired. That would be really cool. But the, the bar scene's great. She ends up getting shrooms. She's drinking a ton, uh, but she's still cracking the case. She's still on the search. So she ends up seeing a Cro-Magnon van, which she had done research for um, in a great way. She actually does great cop work. She's kind of skeptical about it at first, but Lars is like, this is cop work. She basically has to search for a trawl, which is going to be my new Wordle starting word, T-R-A-W-L, and she basically was looking for anybody that's suspicious that has purchased a trawl in the last, you know, year or so. And a trawl, I didn't to be to be honest, I didn't know what a trawl was before this episode. And it's just a big net that they use for it to catch fish. And it's what gave the victim in the last episode it gave her all those marks on her back because she was caught in the trawl. So, uh, due to some good research, Alfielger ends up finding uh, that the security company, Cro-Magnon, which is predominantly a Stone Age, uh, is a Stone, uh, higher prehistoric people they are the ones who brought a troll. And she's like, why would a security company need a troll? So that kind of leads her to be suspicious of them. And when she snaps some photos of them, she believes that she can present this to the police because it looks like they're somewhere shady. I think that she might know where they're keeping the girls at this point, or at least she has... This leads the police to be end up ending, ending up able to find them at the end of the episode. Um, anyway, so that was really cool because that leads to, like, an all-time uh, meeting at the uh, police station with some of the higher-ups, and Al presenting her pictures of the night before, and some party pictures slip in, and they're so funny, and Al uh, is such just like a great like physical actress. She's doing some really funny things, like sticking her tongue out, uh, partying with her friend who's lost her top at, <laughs> at another point, and it looks like just a really fun night of debauchery, so... They are having a good time, and uh, the police are like, oh boy, uh, maybe you better take over from here, Lars. Interesting note about Tor Hund, he is a real-life figure, and just like the show says, he did slay Olaf the Stout. And doing a little bit of background research, found out Olaf the Stout was a king that was trying to unite Norway through Christianity, and of course, the um, uh, Tor Hund was opposed, he was a devout pagan, And he wanted to stop that. And he's one of the uh, four people who ended up killing uh, Olaf the Stout, according to legend. And um, it's really cool because they make reference to Torhund, or they make reference to Christianity throughout the episode, um, when Elfielger and her friend Erd, when they go to the church and they're like, can you believe that there's one of these on every corner now? I cannot believe the white Christ. I cannot believe that this is the religion that won out. They kind of, you know, they believe that the gods should be powerful and warriors and striking people down and not about forgiveness uh, like Christianity is. So they're kind of dismayed by that, and it makes sense because they were on the side of the pagans a thousand years ago. So I think that's really cool and really cool world building. And I also like this note when I was doing some research about Tor Hund. After the battle, he was kind of marginalized. I guess he really didn't ascend to... You know the king or whatever he didn't uh, become king in Norway. Some people speculate that he went for the whole left for the Holy Land. Others think he just died, but he never returns to the island where he was born, and it kind of leaves the you know <laughs> it leaves open some excuses for the show or little. It's very convenient for the show. This guy disappeared. Where did he go? Maybe the future. So we've got to keep our eye out for Torhund. Of course, at the beginning, the prophet said that he's in the future. We have not seen him yet. But we've got to be on the lookout for him, and I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. So that's kind of what's going on with El Fielger and her side plot. And we have a new character introduced that... Really fascinating. Two new characters, actually. We have Navin and his wife, Ida. And Navin is... He's, he's a bad guy, uh, <laughs> to be sure, because he seems like he's at the head of this human trafficking ring. Uh, ring. But he also is a fascinating character because he lives with a woman from the modern times, and she's actually started this blog called The Caveman's Wife, and it seems to be about the joys and challenges of, you know, cross-temporal relationships, which is kind of a theme of the episode. So, really uh, jarring introduction to Navin. He's hunting a rabbit. It looks like he has a group that he hunts with, and he ends up uh, killing the rabbit uh, very, very viscerally. That throws a rock at it and, you know, breaks his neck right away. And then, you know, you see, you see him skinning it back at his modern house. He actually sneaks up on his wife and scares her. And for a moment, you're absolutely terrified because you don't know that they know each other. You don't know that they're in a marriage and you think something bad, very bad, is about to happen to Ida. But they end up just laughing and she's like, makes reference to how you did this to me again. Uh, so, uh, they, they, kind of, they have a very cute relationship, actually. She, uh ends up winning glory for uh, according to Novin. she wins glory for blogging and you see her house is decorated with uh, all sorts of like you know things that you might find in like a home goods store and uh, it so- says stuff like every cave needs a home or something like that on the pillows. So they're really funny and it's really funny to see Novin walking around the house because he walks around naked and he's just like eating the rabbit uh, the rabbit that he caught raw. Um, while he hosts people over from the Cro-Magnon. And so the story with them is the Cro-Magnon people, they kind of come over to tell him that, hey, I think things are kind of happening here. Um, We're worried uh, the cops are on to us because they are opening a case about the victim from the last episode. This could lead them to finding the ring, uh, the prostitution ring. And anyway, they end up, he ends up saying, okay, pull the girls to a new location. And they end up going to do that, and the Bohemian, there's a Bohemian guy from the 1800s who really is upset, and he's like, uh, he's going to go take care of it. So he ends up going to see Navin later on in the episode, while his wife is having this big party that she has a lot of people there, a lot of influencers over, about her caveman's wife's blog. So the Bohemian goes to see Navin, and he thinks he's going to have the upper hand here, but let me tell you something, I wouldn't mess with Navin. Navin uh, is a really scary dude, he's strong, He is talking about how he needs protein to fuel his body, his body doesn't come free, and he's really upset that this bohemian uh, drug dealer comes up to him, and he's coming up to him on the day that his wife has won glory for blogging, he can't believe this, so he kind of roughs him up, and I think he probably would have killed this guy if it hadn't been for his wife watching from above, and he ends up kind of letting him go. But there's definitely some tension between those guys. And I don't think either of them were caught at the end of the episode. I'd have to double-check on the Bohemian, but I don't think he was caught. I think they got the two guys from Cro-Magnon. One of them, who is definitely a prehistoric-looking person, and the other guy is from the modern times. So, in um, uh, the modern guy is the guy that Elfielger hits with the rock, that ends up, uh, they end up having him in custody, and he's not talking at the end of the episode. So... We have that going on with Navin, so we know kind of who the main boss is, or at least we think he is. Maybe he has a boss too, but he's at least pretty high up in this uh, human trafficking ring. So some other minor side plots going on, and some things that end up being really nice in the episode. We have Lars, who's talking with his dealer, Nabo, and we get to see their relationship expanded a little bit more. We saw him uh, buying drugs from him, buying that temp- temproxate from him in the last episode, and in this episode, uh, Lars is just at his apartment, you know, probably doing temp oxide, if I'm being honest. And the boy comes in, his Nabo's son, his neighbor's son, and he's, like, shouting for help, help, help. And he's pointing up, and his friend, uh, the dealer, is being, like, hung by his hands over the, you know, the the fire escape. And it is the Bohemian that ends up going to threaten Navin later on in the episode. And Lars somehow gets uh, the shouts at them, shows him his police badge they just let go and nabo's just hanging off by his fingertips and lars is able to secure him and save him and this leads um nabo to give him was like the nicest meal he got like fish berries and nuts uh so kind and he comes over he won't take no thanks for an answer and they end up sharing a really nice moment they talk about um what's happened to their wife and he said he lost his wife in the salt so i, I wasn't sure what that was referenced to maybe I was wondering if that's maybe a reference to maybe them coming over, because what we see in the end of the episode is they get reunited because Lars finds her as part of the, sadly, part of the human uh, trafficking ring. So that was um, a really sweet moment at the end of the episode when Lars puts it together that they have the same tattoo, and he brings them together at the police station. And it's kind of scary for Nabo at first, because when he's coming in, he's like, oh, are we in trouble with the, the drops? Do we have drop trouble? And Lars is like, nope, actually quite the opposite. And he, like, brings her to, brings him to the room. And really touching moment. So some of the most wholesome moments from the episode are definitely between uh, Lars and his temproxate dealer. And I really like those. And it's really cool. He also tells him that his wife left with... Lars' wife uh, left with some pipe-smoking guy from the 1800s. And uh, I also like how Nabo doesn't really make fun of Lars... For having mouse hand, he's just like oh yeah, mouse hand, totally reasonable. Even though you see Nabo is like, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, like slaying goats in his house, and he's this guy that you know would never have mouse hand from the you know from either the Norse time or the prehistoric time. So it's funny though, but he doesn't make fun of him. They're really really kind towards each other. And then the last thing, um, this was part of last episode too, is we have the Roosbus saga continuing with Lars's daughter Ingrid. And now, uh, what happened in this episode was the wife, Marie, and Gregors, the uh, pipe smoking guy from the 1800s, they found out about uh, Lars paying for the trip and paid 10,000 kroner behind, her, uh, behind, behind their back. Uh, and doing some uh, just a little bit of research, that's about 1,100 US dollars. And but let me tell you, they, they kind of got off easy because, let me tell you, some of these parents are just pissing away money. I said last episode 2000 to $6,000, sometimes even $30,000. Now, uh, this is pretty reasonable uh, in comparison to that. So, But still, it's the, it's the principle of the matter. And Lars apparently hasn't been able to pay child support, so they're questioning him about that. He's like, you can't pay child support, but you can pay for this. Where'd you get the money, huh? huh? And I'm thinking, where did Lars get the money? I mean, I... Seller is probably pretty good as a police officer, but how come he hasn't been able to pay child support? That's kind of a question I have. Uh, makes me not feel so great towards Lars, even though I like him for the most part in the aggregate. So that is... Oh, and then the resolution of that scene is <laughs> Gregor's knows a therapist who specializes in cross-temporal relationships, much like we saw with Navin and uh, his wife, Ida. So... They're going to go to therapy uh, all together, and that should be interesting. So we should see more family dynamics coming up in the next few episodes. So that's kind of what was happening. I'll, I'll bounce to the end of the episode, too, to kind of just wrap up the plot line. So after, you know, Alfielger does a great job of uh, catching the modern guy who's in the Cro-Magnon, Lars had taken care of the guy who is the prehistoric guy. And so they captured both of them. And they were able to free the girls, and it's really big. It's a good point of celebration for the police officers because they were able to solve the case. And not everything is completely solved, though, because we still have the victim from last week, and um, that hasn't been solved at all. We just know that she was dead, and uh, we don't know why she's dead yet. But we do see something really interesting in the footage that I believe Alex uh, from, the, uh, from the police station... Had sent over for or to Lars, and it's just security footage of the lake and the shore or the wherever it is that uh, maybe the ocean. That is, um, they have footage of it, and it's right around the place where they found the victim in the first episode. And what's really fascinating is at the end you see Lars and Fielger, they're watching the tapes together, and it's got it's just this grainy security footage. But all of a sudden, you see a woman pop out. And she starts to undress. But the interesting part about this is she's the woman who uh, was killed for, uh, who's the victim. She's the victim from the last episode. She's the one who time traveled and died shortly after she time traveled. Here's the thing this footage is from four hours before she ever time traveled, before she ever got to this time period. So that lays in a lot of questions, right? Or a lot of implications. To me, the implication is that. She's actually from this time period, and she time traveled backwards, which is something that the teacher from the first episode said could not happen. So that's going to be something that could rock the the kind of the foundation of the worlds that we have here. So that's going to be interesting to see where they go from here um, in this investigation because it's 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 a twist, right? They don't know this was not what they were expecting. Um, they thought that she just came came uh, came from a time. Uh, came from the past and she died, but it looks like she had already been here. So are people going back and forth? Was she from the present day and ended up going to the past somehow? I don't know. Questions that still need to be answered. So that's kind of the episode in whole, and I want to just keep highlighting a few different things, and I want to talk about my most valuable player from the episode. The MVP had to be Fielger. She had quite an episode. So... We have the flashback about her right at the beginning, and it's cool to see some... Uh, it's, cool, it's cool to see her in the past. You know, in the first episode, we had those shots of her uh, as a warrior when she was getting her police uniform on, but this was a whole fleshed-out scene of her. I had to kind of do a double-take. I wasn't sure if it was her, but they do say it's her name's Alfielger, and everything connects that it would be her with everything that happens later on in the episode. And it almost make kind of makes you think, huh, did she go to the future on purpose, because she learned from the shaman that Tor uh, Torhan's the man she loves, he's in the future. So how does she get to the future? We don't know. We haven't seen that part yet. So, But it kind of seems like maybe was it on purpose or uh, is this just happening quite often to people? And I guess this kind of leads me to a question about the show. I think they said 13,000 people a day are coming from the past and... I could be totally wrong on this, but, you know, I know the population of the world was much less, uh, you know, know, I know there's been a big population boom, you know, ever since like the Industrial Revolution, and, you know, it's just like a steady incline throughout history, you know, with exceptions of like the bubonic plague and stuff, but my question is, if so many people are going to the past every day, I mean, you multiply 13,000 people by, you know... Uh, over 700 days because I think the show's gone on for two years I mean you get a pretty high number and wouldn't this like be recorded in history like all these people that have disappeared or I don't know maybe it, maybe it's something that I shouldn't really think too much about uh, <laughs> uh, with the show but I, I was thinking about that I was like that's quite a few that's like a lot of people to be appearing every day so I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on that please let me know love to love to hear from anybody out there uh, email the show, wakeupwinden at gmail.com. All right. So what else about Elfielger in this episode? Um, I really like that her relationship with Erd isn't tropey at all. Like you'd think that they'd probably be enemies or you'd think that they would be trying to maybe kill each other based on the fact that they both love the same man, but no, it's more complicated than that. They both served as shield maidens together. Which um, is, you know, something that is not present in current culture. So it'd be hard for us to understand that. But they both, you know, probably were warriors for, for uh, Torhund. And they both fought many battles together. So there's kind of like a sisterhood between them. And the, the scenes with them partying are really fun. I mean, she does slip her some shrooms. But uh, ends up, you know, leading to crack the case. So can't be too bad, right? We do get uh, yeah, so like I said we get that great scene with uh, her presenting all the information. and um, she showed her you know she showed her merit as a police officer looking through all of the data and um, you know I'm still thinking she's a great reader for just like how many years has she been here three years and she's already been able to like navigate like what a trawl is and uh, what companies <laughs> what companies would be suspicious of having them. So she did that, and she had to navigate through a ton of, ton of text, so that was really good. Partying was amazing, and, uh, she has that hungover scene in the car where, you know, uh, she's, like, Lars is like, please roll down the window, and she's, like, farting, and he says she smells, and it's, it's just, it's just, it's really funny. The actress does a great job of being hungover as well. She's wearing sunglasses, looks really funny. Um, uh, I like all the scenes with uh, when they're discussing Christianity and like when they're walking through the graveyard together. They're talking about, look at all these poor souls who are born, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years after us, but they're buried before us too. Yeah, there'd be a, it would be very weird to be in the place where you just skip thousand, a thousand years and you end up in this <laughs> totally different place. I can't imagine what a mind f that would be. So. Uh, she also, (laughs) when they're chasing the Cro-Magnon, she's a much better rower than Lars, and Lars is kind of struggling, and she's like, come on, row, 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 and uh, I just, I I like that she's kind of like the physical presence of the two, and uh, you know, there's like the thought in episode one that she would slow Lars down, or that she wouldn't be a good partner to have, but she's disproving all of that, and it's really been, uh, it's it's a cool storyline to see, so even though she has those mess ups, like where the the, where she slips her pictures and, you know, she's still leading to the solve uh, the case being solved. So that's all really cool stuff. Okay, so then she's also, there's a little plot line with her. We talked about it in the last episode, but she uh, has kind of this suitor who's a police officer as well. Um, still don't know what was happening with the two police officers last episode with the, the, they were looking at each other's butts. I'm not really sure what was going on there. But anyway, one of those guys asks her on a date for that uh, glass of mead together, and she agrees. So he's like, yeah, okay, okay. So he's happy about that. So looks like he's going to be a reoccurring character, and we'll see what happens on the date with those two. So he was the one that was on scene um, the first night that the, the victim was found. So I have, a, I have a few questions about him, but we'll have to see where that goes. And then I really like at the end, she's kind of needling Lars for not eating gluten. She's like, what the hell's gluten? And he's like, uh, it's something in the bread. And she leads uh, this leads her to think that it's some sort of superstition. And she's like, oh, you think this gluten monster is going to get you? Watch out. Boo, boo. And he ends up like, she's making fun of him too much. And he ends up eating the sandwich with her. And that's like right before they find the evidence that the woman was, uh, the victim from last week was, in fact, there four hours before she was reported to have died. So, Or reported to have time traveled. To so even been there. So, um, all that's really good for Girl. She's, uh, she's definitely my favorite character on the show. And she just has so much life and, uh, so much, <laughs> so much fun, uh, throughout. She's always, like, she's always, you know, has the right amount of humor, uh, just to needle Lars. And she's also showing that despite her, uh, maybe unorthodox, unorthodox training, she, <laughs> she does a really good job. She has really good instincts. All right. And... I just wanted to mention how many cross-temporal relationships are kind of throughout this episode, and it's something that makes sense with the world, right? You're introducing a new set of people, and they're going to mingle with the rest of the population, so we see a lot of these relationships that happen throughout, um, throughout the episode, and Navin and his wife, Ida, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of the show. Uh, I I think it's really funny, the idea of the caveman blog, or the caveman wife's blog, the branded pillows are great, like, I'd have to really pause and look through the set design to catch all the jokes that are in there, but uh, I love that the show has a sense of humor, and it definitely, uh, definitely, like, leads to some ridiculous scenes, uh, especially with these two, so I'm really curious to see where this goes, and... Yeah, he's, he's, he's he can be really scary but he's really sweet to his wife he really does love Ida it seems like so uh we'll have to see what happens then and with the rivalry between him and the Bohemians and that's another cross-temporal relationship right we have this guy from the Stone Age and he's kind of rivals with this guy from the 1800s two people that never should have met but are kind of the you know f- jockeying for position in this <laughs> human trafficking ring so it's really crazy uh, the things the uh, the things that happen in the show. Hard to, really hard to explain. Um, of course, we have the really wholesome relationship between Lars and his dealer, Nabo. And uh, we also see, like, kind of, like, the difference between parenting uh, in the two, in the in the different time periods because, you know, his little kid is watching this Viking show and Lars is like, are you sure you want him to watch that? And he's like, oh, yeah. Who doesn't like stabbing in naked girls? And Lars is like, well, okay. Uh, but... Yeah, so uh, it's just funny because, you know, it makes sense that that's what he would want to watch because, like, that's the world he knew, that's the world he grew up in. So uh, I think that stuff's all really cool. And I, w- I did, like, just thinking about how, like, the Bohemians and the and how novins in charge and how we have the Cro-Magnon that's prehistoric, um, just made me think, are all the crimes run by people from the past or have modern people... Uh, learn to avoid some of these things, that, some of these mistakes that they're doing, right? Like uh, cleaning up, uh, maybe maybe buy a trawl through like uh, another party, have somebody else buy the trawl so it's not on the company records, right? Maybe, you know, p- uh, the people who have been doing this for 50, 60 years, maybe that they know some of the traps to avoid. So I was just wondering, like, did all the prehistoric and people from the past, did they take over all the crimes? Or... Are the people who are from the present maybe a little bit better at hiding it? And um, are the police just having a field day with some of these mistakes being made (laughs) with people from the past? Uh, I don't know if the show is going to answer that question, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. That a lot of the people that we see the police kind of hunting down are, in fact, people from the past. So just something to note there. And then just a few other cool little nuggets and notes that I had throughout the episode the the set for the norse bar is amazing and i love the fact that they have like the giant horns to drink out of looks like a really cool place to be and you got to figure that they probably have bars for like people from the 1800s maybe probably a little more reserved right where you could maybe smoke your pipe in peace there um and then can't imagine like what the prehistoric bar would be Maybe just like a cool, like ice cave, something like that. Something you might find in like a. uh, I I know they've been to like an ice ice bar in Las Vegas. Maybe they could have kind of a spin off of that. Uh, I I really liked when the cop got scolded for saying Viking. Uh, He's doing, you know, Harold, we didn't talk much about him, but Harold's the chief of police at the station and he's doing a PR interview. He's always trying, he's very concerned about how the cops are coming off and he's talking to a reporter. And he's like, no, no, we're on top of this. We're, we're, we're doing everything right. We even have a full-fledged Viking that is leading the operation. And the reporter's like, we don't say the V word here. We prefer people of Norse descent. And I thought that was a great little touch for the episode. And uh, Harold's always stumbling over his words. So um, I'm enjoying seeing that character being kind of like a bumbling idiot a little bit. Uh, at least they're playing into that. I like that you have to list an occupation when you get here. It's like very... Uh, You know, I'd imagine, like, people with a clipboard are coming in. It's very administrative, and you have have to list your occupation when you come in. So you have the little line where Erd, the shield maiden, is asking her, what did you list as your occupation? And Elfielger kind of laughs and goes, farmer's wife. And they both have a laugh over that because they were, you know, strong warriors in the past. So, the but... Maybe they want to be a little more undercover than that. So I, I was wondering why they wouldn't put their actual occupation. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know why that is. And then I talked about Torhund already, uh, but it's really cool that he that they have like these historical figures that they're taking from. And I'd imagine being um, a Norwegian citizen and growing up knowing about the legend and the lore and uh, the history of all of this really would uh, add another layer of the of of that to the show. So I really, really like that historical aspect of it. And I like how they're tying it in. Uh, I think all of that is really great. You also see like you have new special, new specializations, right? Like you have the therapist who specializes in, uh, cross-temporal relationships. And you can imagine that happening for all different sorts of fields. They could probably help, like you see, you see how good of a, like a fisherman, the drug dealer is like, I'm sure that they could be very helpful in different methods. uh, of, you know, the, the, uh, the fishery fish, fishery, uh, the uh, fish catching operations in Norway. Anyway, kind of losing the thread there. But what I mean to say is that it opens up all sorts of new jobs and, uh, uh, need for expertise. And, you know, people who are adapting to the world are trying to use their skills that they had from the past and try to make it make sense in the, in the present time must be very difficult. So, Um, All my sympathies go out to anybody who had to time travel into the future. So that's pretty much some of my thoughts on episode two. Really, I think it's been a really strong first two episodes. I think we got our main characters in the first episode. And I like how we're fleshing out a little bit of the world in the second episode. Specifically meeting Navin kind of looks like he's one of the big bads for um, for the show. So curious to see. Um, if they'll keep introducing people, we still have the bohemian that's out there and, uh, looks like Lars and Alfielger have some new things to go off of. Why was that woman already there four hours before she was supposed to be? So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of it for today. I'm enjoying just getting back into podcasting. It's really good to just get a few of these under my belt. And, uh, yeah, let me know if you, if you've watched the foreigners, what you thought of the show. Um, yeah, let me know if you're listening again. I always like to hear from people. And the show, uh, the, the email is wakeupwinden at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at wakeupwinden at just at, at wakeupwinden. And uh, the reason uh, I didn't go into this at the beginning of the episode, but I had done a show, uh, a podcast all about dark, the series on Netflix, and so I have covered every single episode about of dark think that there are 26 episodes in total of that so you can check those out we've also done equinox which was a show on netflix as well from denmark all six episodes of that we tried out tribes of europa we didn't get too far on that we made it two episodes that was a netflix show as well um so now i'm trying to be foreigners so i'm gonna try to make it through that i hope you guys are liking it hope you guys like the show and yeah let me know if i missed anything thanks again take care bye bye